señores y señoras, están en ti Arena Podcast. Yo soy Juan y Andrew y Nicolás. Click. Oh, that was the SAP button. That was our uh, that was a Spanish announce table with us. Uh, Marcelo, Marcelo, Marcelo Gonzalez. Um, I'm John. I'm sitting with Andrew and Nick, and this is the Empty Arena Podcast, episode 37. Well, that was a great intro, and uh, we actually have the uh, Spanish uh, Empty Arena table next to us, and yes. the, the the table is already broken. Yeah, I was about to say, I think I got a splinter hanging out of my foot right now. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about uh, AEW's Double or Nothing pay-per-view. We're going to talk about John Moxley showing up, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose slash Jonathan Good slash, you know, Lunatic Fringe. Yeah, Lunatic Fringe, whatever the hell you want to call him. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about, hey, Brock, Brock, Boombox, how you doing? We're going to be talking about him, as well as some uh, happenings with Sami Zayn on Raw and the 24-7 rule on, uh, on SmackDown. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof, yeah. Lack thereof. So, do so, we want to jump right into this, gentlemen? Yeah. Let's do that. Let's, let's, sure. let's double down and talk about double or nothing. I like so that. So, what did you... We So, we watched this pay-per-view on a nice Saturday night. It was kind of wild to watch a pay-per-view on a Saturday night. You know what? I didn't think of that. It was weird. It was also yeah. weird because of the Memorial Day weekend. It was ended up being really Friday. Yeah. To our... Monday, which was Sunday, and we went back in time. I don't know how that happened. We time traveled. We so, entered the quantum realm. We, we did. We did time travel because we, we quantum had, leaped. We had Dustin. Yeah, <laughs> we had Dustin Rhodes against Cody. Yeah, I don't know who Cody Rhodes is, but he went against uh, Cody. We had Cody and Dustin. That was a throwback to like 2014. Yeah, for those of you who watched that match, um, there was a very subtle. Uh, jab at Triple H at the very beginning. It was so subtle. It was all out. Um, so if you guys watch this, uh, Triple H's throne came out before it. Um, and Brandy Rhodes handed Cody a sledgehammer. And Cody smashed that shit to, beat, to bits. <laughs> so It was a nice yeah, was, pre-programmed uh, chair that just collapsed poof, on poof, poofed yeah. up in smoke. It was like a... It was like a stage prop at like Six Flags or something that you would see on a roller coaster. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was. Uh, I think they previously previously used that at the Skull Bat- Batman stunt show in, in Skull Mountain. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, a, it was a. We could just jump right into it. Let's just talk about that match because that, oh that, that was that was crazy. Uh, on top of everyone's mind. Yeah, I feel so like. much blood. Oh my god! The, the best part though, you saw, you saw Goldust bleed himself, and and he was just squirting blood like it was crazy. You could tell there was probably a little bleeding going uh, on. A little. I mean, it's, <laughs> just a little. It was a little too too much, uh, too much blood. It got to a point where, like in the middle of the match, it was a little distracting. It got to the point where I was, I was watching for, you know, Dustin's health versus watching for the match itself. But I will say the match told a very good story. Well, if you see, if you saw him on Twitter afterwards or social media, uh, he had uh, butterfly stitches on his forehead. And he looked fine. Like it looked like nothing was happening. So it, it was probably he hit. He probably hit it right at the right spot, where it was causing a lot of damage. But he, there was like little to no exit we, wounds. We forget that Steve's he is. DMX. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we forget that he's a professional, uh-huh. and he, for God's sakes, you know, fought Roddy Piper in, yeah. in that. And if you ever heard stories about that, it's it's you know wild too because a lot of those bumps he took for real. He took the, you know, took the the dumpster to the head for real, and Roddy actually punched him square in the head. So he's taken bumps before. 
confident. But what what did you think of the of the match, Nick? I think it was a. It was it was something that really told a really good story. I think it was a long time coming. It was for a lot of people and for them particularly. I think uh, something that was long overdue in terms of wanting to have that match that they never got to have. I know back in the day when we had the gold dust and stardust thing going on, we were saying, wow, eventually, you know, these two were going to square off, I would think, and it was going to be a passing of the torch from Dustin to Cody. And we kind of, in a way, saw that, I think, with this match. But at the same time, what we came to realize is after the match, you know, Cody won as we had expected, but it was a very, very good match. And, um... It seems like now they're going to be teaming up at the next uh, pay per view or at, right. at Fire Fighter Festival. Yes, and the, so yeah, the, 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 I mean the ending of the ending of the match was very. I, I, I thought it was a twist. Like I didn't expect. It was a bit a bit Cody of a twist. To, yeah, interesting storytelling. Since I mean, there's a little bit of a disconnect because I feel like Cody, you know, hyping this up as the end of the of the Attitude Era. Just to you know, reinvigorate it. Yeah, like I, the whole point was to, you know, put his brother away, and I, I guess maybe that's just how. I, I think the storytelling it's you know it's, well it's also was, day one. He was putting his brother away, not Goldust, hmm. or another character. Well, I think yeah. I mean, I don't know if Goldust is going to make an appearance because that might be a WWE copyrighted thing. But I think this was uh what what surprised me was i thought that cody was going to come off as as a heel i thought that he was going to be playing the heel going into this he kind of did because you know you have we'll get into the whole what the apparent alignment of, of what the big name guys are as far as like face or heel you know we could have some discussion about that what we think is going to happen but cody being an authority figure i would think is going to be a heel um, if, if, if anything, but he came off as this really warm, you know, personable guy. Maybe they'll do a turn with Dustin. I don't know, but you know, it looks like for the foreseeable future, they're going to be teaming up. So, uh, I'm sure Dusty's looking down with a smile on his face. Cause it was a really good moment. 25%. Yeah. That's the roads for all elite referees. I'm very proud of my thumbs for doing this and for orchestrating <laughs> this incredible matchup. He would have been very proud, and I'm sure he is proud. So, I mean, there, there were even some WWE, uh, I'm going to say superstars, because that's what they want them to be called, uh, that were actually tweeting um, certain AEW wrestlers good luck and well wishes yeah. and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, I mean, it's not like, I mean, on the on the regular, on the down low side of the mid card and even a couple of the, the, the higher ups, they're not looking for a rivalry right now with AEW. But I don't know if there is one. I don't between. think so. Yeah, um, and we can go into Raw and SmackDown yeah. later. But clearly, they were not uh, they were not phased by AEW because they just kind of went back to uh, the same old. But let's 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 continue on with Double or Nothing. What other what other matches did we have on this card? Did Dustin and Cody. We also had uh, the Young Bucks taking on. I believe the Lucha Bros. If am I butchering yes. that, that name? Uh, the Lucha Brothers. Lucha Brothers, Pen- right? Which is Pentagon Junior. and Ray Phoenix. Oh yes, we were having a thorough discussion about who Pentagon's father was. Was it Trapezoid, Square, or Rhombus, <laughs> Rectangle? Well, I think it's uh, actually Octagon. Octagon. That's how it's pronounced. Let me go ask the Spanish announced people. Oh. How's it? How's it pronounced? It's on the Octagon. 
Octagon, as a as a Marcelo likes to Octagon. say. Octagon. <laughs> so this was a this was a wild match, and listen, I I may not be, and my only issue with this match, and I'm gonna just some hot takes for you guys. Did you say hot cakes? Hot hot takes and hot cakes. <laughs> what is that the be a new segment? What is the uh. The what was the fin? I I don't know what the finish what what their finisher moves are. So I was, I just I I wasn't. It was awesome. It was cool to see all those crazy spots. But as someone who's watching for the first time, I don't know how to react to any of those because yeah, right because you don't know. It's like oh my god, well that's it. It's it's like oh holy crap, you know that that, that that's gonna be it. But they oh. were just every back and forth. It was just move after move after move. Well, maybe that's what they want you to. To see, to I guess yeah. like you know, no, yeah, one one wrestler's finishing move could be somebody else's, you know, opening move. I just love the fact that the the young bucks have a, as a finishing move, which I believe is their finishing move, the the Meltzer driver named yeah. after Dave Meltzer. I think that is just <laughs> so funny because, and it's not even just the name, but it's just the way it's it's pulled off. One guy's doing a tombstone, the other guy's doing a springboard, uh, shooting star press and jumps. And drives mm-hmm. the guy's feet into. It. I was like, "This is so freaking obnoxious!" But I think the obnoxious nature of it is what makes it fit with Meltzer's name so much because Meltzer gets this rap of uh, really being like borderline obsessed with like Japanese wrestling and like high flying, intense, insane spots and stuff. So I guess maybe it was simultaneously a, a, an ode and also maybe like a, a, a jab at, at Dave Meltzer by naming the move after him. I don't know. I mean. It's it's pretty funny. I mean, there's there's humor that the young bucks are very humorous. They're they're very driven by comedy and everything they do. So they are, I could see why they're over very well as they, far as they remind me of like the Lonely Island of W you know like of AEW tag teams or like mm. independent tag teams. Very like aware of themselves. Very funny, but very entertaining mm-hmm. to the point where like it's like you can actually like you can, you know, you, you get behind them. They're not. You know, they they're they're more comedic, but not in like an obnoxious. Well, way. Com- comparing them to current WWE Sarcastic wrestlers, do you think they're like the like the revival almost? Or nah, I think or, they have or, way or, more personality than the revival. Or, or Gallows and uh, Anderson. Oh God, no. Because because they they were kind of like a comedy duo, but they weren't funny. Like <laughs> these guys are more like sarcastic. Like we know, like they're aware. I feel like the only team i could compare them to would be like if, if the usos were a little more serious okay yeah the usos and the bucks would be an amazing tag team match like a fantasy match it'll happen one day it'll I'm happen i'm sure it will one day somebody's contract's gonna run up and one's gonna jump for the other <laughs> um that was it was a, it was a fun match and, and lucha brothers look good too and that's that's a yeah good quality this this ray, ray phoenix guy i mean he's he's 28 years old so he's not like you know a baby, but he's not old, so he's kind of like in that prime, you know, real estate as far as like his career is concerned. But, um, yeah, he everybody was was exceptional in this match, but he really stood out. I mean, this was really a nice showcase for him. I think, um, as being part of the larger tag team picture, because now I think you're gonna see more tag teams come to the front. They have to build their tag division, obviously, and it's interesting because the Young Bucks they don't hold an AEW tag title they have the AAA World Tag Team Championship which I believe is 
uh, is that I think exclusive to Mexico or is it just uh, you know I I again you know we don't really yeah it is uh, the main tag team title in the Mexican Lucha Libre promotion Lucha Libre AAA so that is the tag title that the Bucks have so be curious to see how they incorporate an AEW tag title you know with them holding those belts again AEW probably has very loose agreements very loose uh, uh, partnerships with with other promotions to various extents so I guess they could get away with bringing belts in outside I remember WCW back in the day had something similar with um, uh, what wasn't the NWA titles um I don't know if it was NWA but I know for example Ultimo Dragon remember I don't know if you guys remember Ultimo Dragon and WCW had like 10 belts at once yes and he was from like Japan Mexico he came out they were like all over his arms all over his waist it was like part of his gimmick for a little while um they would bring they would make mention mm-hmm. of other promotions so um be but, interesting to see how this plays well, out and that was for the AEW tag titles correct this Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers match was for the AAA World Tag Team Championship oh okay I see so uh, there's going to have to be a reveal of tag titles, which I'm sure will look nice and pretty and all that and, stuff. Well, no. they. From what I'm reading here, the AAA World Tag Team titles were actually created in 1993. So I, I don't know if they're using the same belts that have been around for that long. or Probably not. Or if AEW is going to reinvent, reinvent them. Like the big shiny belt that was uh, given to well, the it, winner of the main event. Yeah. And I think it's also like for this... You know, for audiences that are for, or that are getting into AEW, people have to understand that multiple like titles from other organizations can appear under the shows. Right. Uh, I don't know how how that will change come October when AEW starts their TV deal with TNT. I'm sure there'll be something specific to AEW only, but I can imagine you know fans of WWE may may be slightly confused to not see every you know. AEW title on the line at these pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then I had, and Cody even said post event press conference they're not going to have a pay-per-view every month. This might be every other month or every couple of months, I don't know, but you know they're going to make it count, you know, because they want I I would want to imagine that they're going for quality over quantity and they're just right. taking their time with this. They ha- they they should they should take their time with it. Um Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho. That was a great match, too. Cool match, better finish. Yeah. Um, I want to point out, uh, Jericho almost broke Kenny Omega's nose. Oh, at the start of the match, he almost... Yeah. Omega, basically, his nose was bleeding the entire match. Yeah, I I don't think he actually broke it, though. But um, but they kept saying throughout the match, uh, uh, Jim Ross, as well as... um, uh, uh, I I, I apologize. The other two two guys. Um, We'll get their names eventually. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, enchilada? No. Uh, I can't think of <laughs> One of them was wearing a luchador mask. <laughs> um, but JR and the other two guys kept saying throughout the match, you know, uh, uh, Kenny Omega has, may have a broken nose. He's going to have to work through this. Um, and, and they kept saying that working with a broken nose is probably one of the hardest things to do because you can't breathe, because you can't... So, you know, props up to Kenny Omega on this. They put on a great, on a great show, especially taking that, you know, he took a lot of bumps to the face. Yeah. After the fact. Uh, and, and Jericho got him with that with his new move, the Judas effect. No, I thought I thought it was the code breaker because I know he at one point he actually did a couple of code breakers and they said it on the 
on the pay per view itself. Oh, Jericho with the Codebreaker. He had, he had Codebreaker, but his new his lit his newest move was I think the, the Judas effect, the, the spinning ju- back elbow. Which is a spinning back elbow, which okay. I mean, I loved his vignettes with you know with with uh, with him training for it at like the kickboxing gym. Hmm. Now, you know, because this is the first main event on an AEW show, do you think it was wise to give it to Chris Jericho? I want to say I want to say yes. Yeah, I think so. Because uh, Nick, I, I think I know where you're gonna go with this, but he's uh, he's one of the most prestigious wrestlers to hold a title. Uh, he knows how to hold it. He knows how to work it. He knows how to work it against other wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's a, a good way to you know give the names uh, give the title some clout um, and give it a, a, a name that people know. Uh, people, a lot, not many people know who Kenny Omega is, so by saying, "Oh, Chris Jericho is the AEW championship, uh, the championship holder," um, people are gonna say, "Oh, Chris Jericho's there? I didn't know that. Let me watch this." I if think you, you're... if people say, "Oh, you know, Kenny Omega is," yeah, like, who? Kenny Omega, I think by this point has enough uh, buzz around him to the point where I don't think he really needs a further. Uh, dose of exposure. I do think that having Jericho in the title match at the next event to give a boost to Adam Hangman Page is good because this is another new face to relatively almost every casual wrestling fan. Now Jericho has the opportunity to put a new guy, not necessarily over, but I mean, he may win the match, lose the match, whatever, however they want to do it. I mean, the promotion just started, for gosh sakes. So, I mean, they could, you know, milk anything as much as they want to right now. But I think it's smart having Jericho in the event so that way he goes up against somebody new who, um, you know, they want to give uh, uh, prominence to. They want to shine the spotlight on. Mm-hmm. So I think this works. Yeah. Um, his, you know, his match against Omega was great. And you know, if if Jericho didn't win and Omega went on to you know face Hangman Page, there's I, I don't think there's enough uh, like those two names alone. I don't think can get the reach that Jericho can get no. right. For right now. Anyway, you know, if if Jericho and Hangman Page have their have their when they have their match for the title. And Hangman goes over, which I think in that case should that should be the case because you'll build a star out of you know Hangman Page. Um, but at this point, Omega doesn't necessarily need the victory, and he is going to be thrust into a program with the returning. Well, he's not he's not returning. The debuting John, John Moxley, who looks oddly very similar to Dean Ambrose who's <laughs> just left WWE weeks ago. John John Moxley is a Dean Ambrose ripoff. Gosh, AEW, can't you try harder? <laughs> and it works. Um before we jump into that though, I I want to uh, I do want to say that uh uh presented with the AEW World Champion uh, title was Bret Hart. Yes, yeah, that was a nice big, surprise. That's a big yeah. name, man. Yep. A, a big name they were able to get to help you know, put over this new title. Yeah, and uh, I remember who said it, but it might have been was it Cody that said, uh, "Watch out for the." Oh no, um, who was the guy that came out? Uh, the young guy that kept saying, "Oh, he's the new, he's going to be the new face of the company." Oh, uh, MJF. MJF. He uh, Maxwell J. Friedman. Mm-hmm. He kept saying to Bret Hart, uh, "You know, 
watch, there's a guy coming from the uh, the crowd. Oh, that was that. <laughs> I was, thought that was funny. So oh, yeah. the camera cuts to Bret Hart, and he was like smirking a little bit. It was pretty <laughs> funny, actually. Bret probably couldn't contain his laughter. He probably yeah. was just sitting there going, I, I can't, I'm sorry, this is too funny. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, if that's a slap in the face to WWE, I don't know what is. Yeah, I mean, he was just at WrestleMania, like, uh, over a month ago. Yeah. A little over a month ago. Yeah, two-time now. Hall of Famer. Now he is in. Uh, I don't know if he's in AW. I think he may. I think that may, may have been more of a guest spot than yeah, anything I else. So. I don't think he's a part of the official roster. Cause... Yeah. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. Jumping back over to John Moxley. Yes. No, that was you know good to bring that up, and I think it. That I I was I was gonna I was gonna say in my notes, um, having that as the break in between the main events at the end of the show, worked so much better. Than a, uh, you know, popcorn match with like, you know, like a doink the clown situation. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just more effective because you then you can make th- that can be a, a pee break for some people in the audience. It could, you know, it's yeah. You you can skip it. You don't have to skip it, but it's extra. But, but it you know, the momentum break. kept going. They kept it really humming along, and and it's interesting because now, like when you mentioned the the concept of the popcorn match, um. I can't remember how far going how far back. I don't know how far back it goes, but to me, for the longest time, I remember watching WWE or any other wrestling major wrestling promotion, and I just don't remember. Very rarely was there ever, to me, as far as I can remember, situations where you had great matches. You had a hot main event coming up, and everybody was really excited about it. And, and then right before, it was like a shit match. Yeah, I don't I, remember, I remember that, that I don't remember that. That feels like a recent thing. Yeah. That's happened in the last five years or so, and I just... I don't know what it is, or, or if it actually is something that's good, if they get away from it, if it works better. I don't know, but it's just something that just came to mind. Well, my thinking is, if this is from WWE stand, uh, standpoint, um... They want asses in the seats for the main event, so they want people to get up sure. and go to the bathroom, get food, get drinks before that, yeah, as true. opposed to getting up to. It's also like a, a come down too, right? Like you yeah, know, if, if you just watched a you know a sick match between two like technical wrestlers that took you know twenty minutes and you were really invested, they're not you. You shouldn't have to watch another main event right after that. Right, it needs to be something in between. I could see that. Yeah. Yep. So let's uh, want to talk John Moxley quickly, yeah. but, but real quick before you go into John Moxley, uh, anything else crazy happened within the card? I mean, I feel like some of these, uh, some, I, of, some of the undercards, I wasn't too sure about. Yeah, you know the the undercard. I think the opening match had um, it was a six way six man tag match with SoCal Uncensored and the Strong Hearts, and the only uh, two names I recognize out of this bunch were Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. I know they've been around for a long time. I, I recognize Scorpio Sky. You do okay. recognize Scorpio Sky. Okay. Yes. Oh, and T-Hawk. Isn't that the guy from Street Fighter? <laughs> oh, he fought Street Fighter Turbo? Yeah, yeah. What the hell? Wow. They're even getting... AEW's got so much money, they're actually bribing video game characters to come out of the cartridges and join. Kudos to them. That was oh my a, god, what is E-Honda doing in the impact? Good job, oh, Tony, wrong, wrong Tony Khan. Look at you, that getting was, pixelated uh, characters to join your promotion. Well, that was a pretty... That was a good opening match, just to get everyone... One thing I didn't... Well, two things I did not like about Double or Nothing. I gotta... No, we can't give it all praise. Um, the entrances were way too long. 
They were kind of long, yeah. And way too similar to each other. Uh, there was it was a very there's a lack of diversity. Yes, the uh, entrances. Yeah, there wasn't. I don't. I, I don't. I can't tell whose music was right. Whose, everything is kind Although of. Although I I do have to say the six woman yes, the six woman going, tag match to, the second one the, 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 the I did not like that match. Yeah, the the match itself wasn't that good, but there there was a fair amount of characterization. <laughs> My favorite, which if you're listening to this, you're probably guessing correctly as to. You know, who who was my favorite? But the one that was dressed up as Freddie Mercury <laughs> with the mustache and <laughs> the mic stand. It was so bizarre. I, I, it was yeah. so it but, was so goofy, but, but the, it was just it was the, so funny. The, the, the funny part about that though is that they they were all they were all Asian Asian or Oriental. I think they were women, all Japanese. But, I but think, they were yeah. all the theme songs were in their languages, but they were like the the songs like it was uh the the whoever came out as uh, Freddie Mercury actually was uh I, I believe it was We Are the Champions, but it was in like. Or we will rock you. Yeah, we will rock you. It was like a variation of it. It was pretty funny. So, no, that that was that was uh, pretty good. It was yeah. It was. I was a little lost. I'll be honest. Yeah. Um. And then we had uh, that was one match and opening match was good. Then there was another tag match between uh, best friends. The best friends, Chuck Taylor and. Trent Beretta is a name I recognize. I know he was yeah. in WWE, but I just don't. Maybe it was at a time when I wasn't watching. You don't recognize Chuck Taylor? I do not I recognize I wear them Trent. all the time. Yeah, exactly. The Converse. <laughs> I, I wasn't spending enough time looking Trent, at the floor. Trent Beretta, I remember him from like SmackDown. Like, uh, no, he was like SmackDown, like 2009, 2012. Yeah. Can't yeah. yeah. And, and a, there was a fatal four-way between... Uh, Britt Baker, who is Adam Cole's wife, uh, defeating Nyla Rose, Kylie Ray, and Awesome Kong making a return. Yes. Awesome Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, you know, you you had, you know, some good matches, but again, on the on the other car on the undercard, it's a little hard to really if you're unless you're a fan of those those guys and gals, hard to really get behind it. Not that it was bad, it was just, you know, it's gonna take time. Uh, I, I, just, I, I just want to plug something here. Uh, I'm not getting paid for this. But uh, for those of you who have subscribed to Netflix, Awesome Kong is actually on a show called Glow. It's currently, Ooh, in, yes, a, it, it, it's currently in a second season. Uh, it, it, it basically has to do with the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Uh, it's a fictional take on that uh, from the 80s promotion. It is awesome, and she's great in it. So go, go check it out. Check her out. Go get it. All right. So should we go into the Mox Johnley situation? Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the, the end of the pay per view, we had uh, Schmeen <laughs> John, we have to just from here on out, we're calling him John Moxley. I suppose Mox- yeah, we can call that. him uh, or uh, Jonathan Good is his real name. Gene Moxbros. <laughs> Gene, or I, th- I think we can from now on, from now from from for the next like two weeks, we could do the whole like. John Moxley or Dean Ambrose. John, Mo- I think we can do either. It's like it's like when it's January first, January second of the school year, and you're still writing the old year on your on your uh, <laughs> yeah, papers. Yeah, yeah. we're or in that phase where you know we'll, we'll eventually. We're saying Happy remember. New Year after January first. Right. <laughs> exactly. Happy old year. It's okay. Uh, yeah, but uh, but John Moxley came out, and uh, you know it was very unexpected. I mean, it was so unexpected that we said it was going to happen last week. It, it it happened. It 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 uh it, that son of a bitch, they did it. Yeah. 
John Moxley is uh, he, he he made his debut Shield style through the through the crowd. Yes, he did. It was Shield style. He I, went in and gave a dirty deeds to Jericho and a dirty deeds to Kenny Omega. I, I think the only thing that I noticed that was different was nothing, just besides his name. He had the same the, the same uh, persona. He had the same gimmick almost, where he was quote the lunatic fringe, tongue hanging yeah. out, going. Yeah, like you. Yeah. Yep. He, he 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 demonstrated, and he exhibited what everybody knew he had and what is capable of. I love to see what he does in the ring now in, in a different environment where you know he could really be himself and 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 uh, be in an environment that seemingly is much more supportive from a creative standpoint. You know, we'll get to that you know aspect in a little bit, but uh, he. Seemed pretty happy. He seemed pretty energetic, pretty fired up, and uh, he looked better. He looks yeah. refreshed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was so, probably twenty minutes away from his home, which yeah. is which is nice. Yeah. So my question now is: Is AEW doing house shows in between the pay per views? I mm. don't think at the moment. I don't no. think so. Okay. Now. So so the next time the role wrestling is going to be at Fighter Fest. Fighter Fest, yes, but I believe uh, Moxley will be. Fighting Omega at All Out, which I believe is in August. Right, so he's off for the next couple months. Well, he's he has one match coming Quote up at, at at Fighter at Fighter Fest. Right. So I think what they're doing is they're going to continue with like the pay per view model for like once a month for the next few months just to get people interested until they get on to TNT. And then once maybe they get on to TNT, it might be might be. Has there been less. any indication about when they approximate they're going to be able to start on TNT, or it's just? October first. October first. We'll so, 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 so it's a it's a known. Yes. Okay. That will be the day. Wow. Day. Okay. Got some DVR. Air. Uh, but no, Dean, John, Dean, John, I'm Dean. John, Dean, John. <laughs> no, I, I don't work at a school. <laughs> <laughs> he looked good. He looked refreshed, and and it's a, it's going to be an interesting feud between him and Omega. And I think this will help increase pay per view buy rates for the next show. I think it was smart right. to bring him in here because, think about it, you have enough buzz going into this where people are going to be buying the pay-per-view. Now you need a hook for the next one. Counterpoint. Ambrose is the hook. Yep. Who are they going to get? Because everyone that watched WWE over the last couple of years knows Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, wasn't good. What do you, what do you, what do you mean Me- by meaning, wasn't good? Meaning like he... he I don't, I don't know. He was, he was a stale worker, I feel like. Like, he didn't do much over the last couple of years. Uh, I, I disagree. He was... No, I, th- I thought... I mean, he was... He was energetic. And we this, this kind of goes into our next subject of talking about his uh, interview with, with Chris Jericho. On the uh, Talk is Jericho podcast. Talk is Jericho podcast. Not plugging that, but go listen to it. Yeah. It's a good podcast. You're probably, Chris, you're listening to this, Chris we'd love listen. to have you on the show. <laughs> I will say one of the Stupid awesome, idiot. <laughs> uh, awesome thing about uh, Jericho's podcast is that he started off by saying this was recorded prior to you know to prior to John Moxley coming and hitting me, you know at double or nothing. If he was here right now in front of me, I'd probably smack him in his face. <laughs> I, I'm really glad he kept the kayfabe going because it's it's, smart. it's kind of dumb you know to yeah. to listen to it and say well he's on you know it's clearly breaking kayfabe but he uh, the the opening bumper was him saying you know if dean was here right now i'd probably give him a smack in the face <laughs> uh but as a journalist i have to 
you know, be yeah. be impartial. Yeah. So, so what you were saying before about him getting stale, that was one of the things that he mentioned on the Jericho podcast, where toward, I guess towards the end of his tenure with WWE, you know, he decided that this, you know, when he when he started doing these weird segments with the gas mask and the taking the vaccination shots, like you know, backstage, he said he knew he was out. He said he was he was done, uh, no question about it. It was just a matter of you know whenever his contract ran up. I definitely think yeah that was undoubtedly those were among several uh, instances in which it was literally pushing him over the edge. But I think um, I read a note that he even had the, the idea in his mind of leaving in July of 2018 when he was injured. He already had the idea in his mind that he wanted to leave and. Um, it's interesting because I wonder if maybe it started with ever since they tried to pair the shield back together. Like that first, remember that first initial attempt where they tried to do it and everybody yeah. got hurt. He got hurt. And uh, I think Seth got hurt briefly. Yeah, I think Roman was also, like Roman was sick with, um, this is before the cancer. I, I did hear about this, this though. Um, I, I, because before that, he was, he was, you know, he was, you know, opening and closing SmackDown. He had the WWE title. He was he was doing good. It was that first that first failed Shield reunion attempt that I think that for some reason ever since that started it was like downhill for him. Right, and that, that's what I'm saying. I think that's where his character got stale and he started losing people liking him and you no, know, he he had no pop anytime he came out. Uh, even though he was, he basically turned heel. And from what I understood with that interview with Jericho he wanted to come back as a heel, but he didn't want to go as far as mocking Roman Reigns' cancer returning. Yeah. And um, from what I also understood, um, he went right into McMahon's office and basically told him at a board meeting or something like that or during the writer's... Uh, yeah, know. he was very upset. With, yeah, you know, he said, I'm not going to say it, I'm not going to do it. It was, I think, just a string of them giving him you know, these, these, these dog shit segments to work with, and he... You know, one of the things on that on the show that he said was, you know, we're we get these scripts that have like these ridiculous lines of dialogue, like, you know, when you come out here, call, you know, tell the fans that they stink and they're gross, and that you need a pooper scooper to uh, to deal with them. And he he said we, they spent like hours trying to get rid of that pooper scooper line. That's meanwhile, awful. Meanwhile, meanwhile, they could have just done another story, you know, like. An, and he, and he it was it was sad to listen to because this is he's personally like one of like over the last I guess six seven years like someone I've always watched and someone I was like really really into yeah. and just just to hear that towards the end it's it's like it's almost heartbreaking to hear about how like you know he would sit at home watching uh, you know watching other forms of wrestling and saying to himself like I'd love to do this I'd love to do that but they'd never go for it they'd never go for it right referring to wwe and he just he had a lot to say about the you know creative process he said he said there is none <laughs> yeah there, there's there was so much potential there with with ambrose because i felt like he had represented a very particular trope within wrestling what i mean by that is he was like the anti-authority loose cannon sort of figure that you know, you had Stone Cold Steve Austin and, you know, eventually CM Punk, you know, 
was carrying that flag for, you know, a couple of years, you know, during the time that he was hot. Then Ambrose seemed to me someone that could have fit that mold and he could have really, I think, amongst an older demographic, really become very popular. I think he was very popular for a while. I think I think he got as far as he could. And when you hear something like this, it really, like you said, Andrew, it's, it's heartbreaking because if you're going to make it in this business, you know, I mean, I'm not obviously talking about like, from somebody who knows because I know Jack about it, but anybody that goes on interviews or talks about it says you have to love the business if you're going to be successful in it. And okay, that's, it's hundred percent clear, but it's just a shame to see how it, you know, a, a, a such a toxic, uh, you know, restrictive work environment could really suck the passion out of you. And this is clearly what happened. You know, there's something that, you know, happened over time where, you know, you had, someone that just really got sick of going to work when, you know, you as an audience member are watching at home and you're saying to yourself, wow, you know, these guys really have to love what they're doing. You know, they're putting a lot of heart into it, but he wasn't. And, um, to no fault of his own, it just became something that he couldn't deal with anymore. And he, you know, credit to him for also the fact that he wrote out his contract and he stood to the end. Yeah. You know, he didn't walk out like some other people did, but, um, he tried to make the most of it, and you know, again, you know, all this stuff about all the all the dirt sheets about Vince, and and you know how difficult it is as far as the creative process is, and now you have him saying all these things. It, it's it's starting to hold more weight. Sadly, I'm starting to think that maybe you know Vince is uh, he's becoming a problem. It's it's uh, it's sad. You know, it's it's sad to think. Yeah. You know that, and this is one of the top stars in the company someone that was in the like lower i guess upper mid card right at the bottom of the upper upper card right so just imagine how they treat other guys that are way below him you know yeah i'm sure there's guys that don't speak their mind i'm sure there are people i think i think it gets to a point where you know you're in this middle territory where you know that you could take that next step but you have all of this nonsense that's holding you back i honestly think that if I'm someone that's at the bottom of the card. I'll give you an example of someone like like a Kurt Hawkins or a Titus O'Neil or, or the Ascension. I'm just throwing names out there. There are some guys, and I'm not saying that this is just them, but I think when you're at a certain level where you're at the bottom and you know you're not going to get anywhere, you're just happy to collect a paycheck mm-hmm. at that point. And, you know, you're just there for the money because what, what other reason would you be there? I mean, if they were offered more money, I think, to go somewhere else, they probably would take it. I don't blame them. Because it's yeah. right now, it's just to to be in that environment. It, it stinks. It seems you know to really want to feel like you could actually get there and actually make a name for yourself. Now it's just you know the lore at one point was to get to the WWE to say that you made it. Anybody, if you told anybody you know you're going to be a WWE uh, wrestler, they would of course jump all over it. But now you're starting to see it's like what is is it is it really worth it right now? At this point, I don't know. Well, regarding Vince being the creative mind, uh, you know, mind uh, controller here, mm-hmm. um, maybe it's maybe it is time for him to retire. You know, it, it just I, I feel yeah. I mean, like he, he brought us a, the, a lot of good years. It just of, the the behavior that, that the pattern that you're starting to kind of put together based on what people are saying and and just from what Ambrose is saying here. 
it's just seem it just seems like he doesn't listen to anybody. He doesn't take anybody's input anymore. It's like he's become, you know, even more obsessively controlling over everything that goes on. And and we can understand why. From a PG standpoint, you right. want to be very meticulous. You want to really micromanage things and keep everything smooth around the edges to keep your shareholders happy. But this is like really right now, like on another level. Right, and I think the the this could be shown in uh, the whole Brock Lesnar thing that's going on in Raw um, <laughs> with Brock Boombox, whatever you call him. Ugh. I don't know. Yeah. I I personally got a good little little laugh out of it. I just Brock being a clown, it's it's <laughs> I don't know. And it, it's you know I feel I feel as though Boombox Brock. I love WWE. Uh, AEW was this past Saturday. Double Nothing was this past Saturday. They took jabs at WWE. Yep. And WWE took a word. Did did well? They really didn't do anything to improve their. They had an opportunity to, you know, as someone who was watching AEW, and let's say I was a fan for the first time, you know, forever, you know, forever, and. Casually, I would think, whoa, 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 AEW is something now? Oh, shit, this is WCW because it's owned by Turner, right? But it's not really mm-hmm. owned by Turner. You know, just by a casual fan. They might think that and they may say, oh, shit, I wonder what WWE is going to do on Monday. This is going to be yeah. wild. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. And you they watch did, it they did, they did, and shit. they didn't do anything. They did the whole the, the whole thing was uh, same as with the electric chair. I don't understand why it was an electric chair. Like... I guess it was I guess for some kind of gimmick I don't know they wanted to put some random kind of chair in the ring for that segment but my also but, my other question with that was were all of those audience members plants or were they actually legitimate people uh, asking legitimate questions I didn't, I didn't look into that I don't know I mean I I would imagine that they had to have been uh, given questions, I mean, you can't just have somebody on live TV go up and ask you know random things right. without you know being vetted, I guess. But it's a shame because I watched Raw most of it, and the first twenty minutes I thought was really good. I I loved you know Ziggler coming out attacking Kofi. They had a brawl that went into the crowd and and back, and then you know Ziggler eventually you know attacked Woods, you know, Ziggler went up the ramp, he got on the mic, screaming into the microphone, acting all, like, crazy. I was like, okay, all right, you know, this is, this is, this isn't bad, you know, this is, you know, it's better than, you know, spending the first 20 minutes listening to Stephanie McMahon and Shane McMahon talk on the microphone to open up a show, or Triple H, or or, or an assortment of, of the McMahon family just standing there cutting a promo, which we've seen ad nauseum for the last two, three years going on, and, and, it was nice to see something a little bit different, and um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's it's three hours. That's what you got to remember. It's it's hard to it's hard to keep it going for three hours because there's just, you know, now with with the wild card rule coming into play, it, it takes all of the you know what if scenarios and it basically destroys all the luster in that. There's like very little room now as far as like wondering like the combinations of of guys and girls working with each other. I mean, there's. You know, we were. I know we talked about that a bit, but yeah. yeah, it was just another stale show. Raw and SmackDown, both shows. It was, yeah. I, I again, I love WWE. I love the product. I lo- I've been watching for years, but this really just—it's a defeating feeling when you see 
Brock Lesnar come out with a boombox. And again, this is something that Dean also mentioned on the podcast is they they take this one thing that happened naturally, which was just Lesnar probably just took did this on his own. He took the briefcase, put it up to his ear, and pretended it was a boombox, and everyone thought that that's so odd. The next week they made it into an actual toy, and they gave him a shirt. It's like okay, we all right, okay, it's funny, but now it's like now it's being that's being that's like the epitome of getting like something shoved down your throat. The Brock Brock party. The Brock party. Everything is a block party, and and I was I was talking to uh, I was talking to Brandon, good friend of the show. Yeah. I was talking to Brandon, and I said to him, Hey Brandon, dude, like their so their response, you could tell that there's no urgency with the AEW thing because their response was having the Usos throw a Memorial Day barbecue, having uh, Brock pretend to have a boombox dancing to theme music. Uh, Rain still feuding with Shane for some reason, and Elias getting pinned by r Truth in this twenty four seven stipulation. It's like, this is it, guys. This is what you're bringing back. This is that's how we're gonna battle with AEW. The sad thing is that as as ugly as that twenty four seven title is, and as that's probably the best. The best thing. Of, this actually, yeah. I'm 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 actually sitting up and watching what's going on with these segments. Every time you see Truth run out, getting chased by random undercard guys, it's 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 sad that that's probably one yeah. of the most entertaining things for me right now. However, they already they already buried the championship on on SmackDown when <laughs> Shane. To temporarily got rid of the rule. Well, not only that, but you had Elias win the belt, and you had Drew looking over at him, like shaking his head, like, "Okay, you're gonna go for this title." <laughs> like you're just now, you're just at this point burying the hell out of this title. I think it should have went to Shane. Yeah. And he could have been like, "I'm the 24/7 champion now," and then have Roman spear him. Yeah. And have- you know what it is too. That's another thing. They gotta get Drew away from Shane. They can't let him stay around him too long because what's gonna happen now is he's gonna have this stink of being um, uh, an authoritative lackey. Which I feel like, honestly, if if Brock Lesnar, I mean Brock winning the Money in the Bank, just this is another reason why I was just so annoyed by it. You have a machine like Drew McIntyre that potentially could be the next guy to challenge Rollins. That's what I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he, he is going to be a champion very soon. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I thought that the, he would have been better off just staying on his own, staying on Raw. But, you know, that's just me, <laughs> nonetheless. So we had the 24-7 title change. Uh, we had Lesnar with the Boombox promo, which I'm still very confused as to, Who's on SmackDown and who's on Raw? The wild card thing is... It's like almost as if they're trying to take everybody, like everybody that's a, that's a relatively well-known name, whether they're in the middle of the card or on the top, they're just trying to find ways to really condense everybody so that way that they're all sharing the screen as much as possible, I feel like. Yeah, that's probably, that's you know probably what I mean? It is. It's like you've got multiple elements. It's, it's, it's not often that we're seeing one guy against one guy. Like an old school rivalry where it's just one versus one. 
you don't see too much of that now. You see, you know, people on the outside helping out. You see people, you know, random tag, random six-man tag team matches with Corbin and Lashley and, you know, Balor was on Raw and McIntyre and this one and that one and Reigns and Rollins and everyone's getting thrown together. It's like this big casserole of, of garbage where, like, you, instead of, like, having two guys, you know, d- develop a feud, you know, it's it's... I mean, you have it, but it's. I feel like nowadays it's like they're just trying to make the use of, of the airtime and just throw people together. Nick, why don't you tell us how you really feel? Tell us how you really feel. It's but, just, by the know, way, uh, big, it, it, ca- big casserole of garbage. It's uh, Nick's next uh, band album. Yes. <laughs> it's. I'm not making fun of your music. I'm just making fun of the fact that. Oh it no, you can make like, fun of my music a, all the time. It, I don't a, care. it sounds like a. It sounds like an album. It should be. Big casserole of garbage. Record, now at Best Buy. Record no, Best Buy. Recorded in a garage. <laughs> Playing at Webster Hall. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, it was pretty bland. stale. Yeah, pretty bland. I keep using the term stale, which it is. I fell but... asleep at some points. I'll be honest. I was watching both shows, and there were times where I, I cocked out for about 20 minutes. I just... Those, I, big, I... those are big chunks of the show, Nick. Yeah. You have to watch them. Yeah. If you want to stay on this show, you have to watch the goddamn shows, Nick. <laughs> Every minute. You have to be accountable for it. And... I, again, I, I hate... Well, let, let's talk about some high spots. Let, let's talk about something positive. I think they're doing a great job with Kofi as a defending oh, yeah. champion who's winning without the help of anybody else. He's putting a legit run together. Uh, Firefly Funhouse. That's another positive. Yes, you know what? Firefly, I'm, it's Firefly entertaining. Little by little, it's growing yeah. and growing. Hey, man, what are you doing over there, man? <laughs> Uh, he, now he is coming back as the Joker, right? Or the Fiend. The Fiend. Uh, it's interesting. I just I, I I need to know how this is going to translate to the ring. Yeah, who is he gonna go after? That's Finn Balor. I don't know. I, I I could see going against Finn Balor. I mean, he did it already. If but... Alistair Black was on Raw. Maybe it could be Alistair Black because Alistair Black cut a promo this week where he was just basically saying. I'm waiting for someone to pick a fight with me. And he's got that dark kind of persona. Maybe yeah, those two go him. at it. I don't know. But then, you know what, though? The problem with that is if with Bray coming back, you can't have him job right away. You know, and, and you know, you don't want Alistair, you know, jobbing, you know, because, you know, he's just starting his singles run. They got to give him a couple of, you know, strong showings. So I don't know. It'd be very interesting to see who they pair Bray up with as far as they his need, return. Yeah, they need to be careful with Bray because I feel like if they... They do the same. Like he, he's always in this like bad position of putting somebody over or going over on someone who is just completely irrelevant. Yeah. Well, not necessarily. Irrelevant. Maybe he could go up against the Miz. I don't know. Maybe that could be someone that won't get damaged from putting him over. He doesn't really have anything going on right now. His thing with Shane, I think, kind of just ran up. You know, what would be actually would be pretty cool. I think could make a good segment is imagine if on the Firefly Funhouse um Monroe Mizanin makes an appearance his you know Mrs. Baby daughter <laughs> as like one of like the kids that's like that's looking aimlessly around right yeah which was so creepy the the limbo thing this week yeah <laughs> imagine she ends up on the show and he, he kidnaps her and Miz has to go to fun time USA Firefly Funhouse world <laughs> yeah could be one could be one possibility but then again miss just 
job to the to Shane, which Shane, please stop getting involved in the current. Why is your biggest star Roman Reigns feuding with Shane? <laughs> they got to give him something to do. I don't know. They probably figure by pairing him with the McMahon, it gives visibility to him, despite not being in the title picture. They're always going to give Roman something, I guess, to you know keep him out in the open and, and in front of people. So this is probably the best they can think of right now. And you know. Uh, Another thing too, a uh, different topic. Baron Corbin has been putting together a nice string of wins. They got something going on with him. Baron Corbin, uh, he's going to be facing Rollins at Super Showdown. Next yeah, week. yeah. Damn, I mean, he's been winning a lot of matches. Good for him. You know, he's a heel, but why not? He is an, uh, a newer, a fresher face. Yes, he's been around for a little bit, but at the same time, it's like. Why not put him over? He's he's had to deal with the shitty gimmick of being like a everyone that literally he has like his gimmick is X Pac Heat, right? Like everyone hates him. <laughs> yeah, he, to hate he him. even though he's not gonna win the title, although the way things have been going lately, I think they just they just do anything at random just to surprise people just for the sake of it. So I I can't even say that anymore. But um. Maybe he'll have a good showing. I'm sure Rollins will make him look really good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You know, he's... Uh, they hopefully, I think, will have plans for him. We'll see. Yeah. But uh, on that note, uh, if you guys have any questions or comments, just reach out to us regarding this. Uh, we'll see what your see what your thoughts are uh, for the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. Let us know. Um, also, uh, check us out on uh, the Instagrams, the, uh, the Facebooks. And the Twitters. And the Twitters. Or the Twatters, the Twats, the Sweet Twitters. Uh, probably not the right. Don't, don't search that. Don't Google it. Don't Google no, Blue don't Waffle Google. either. That's not a good thing. Um, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, reach out to us on those forms of social media. Um, I'm not going to keep saying that because I feel like I keep saying that every week. So reach out to us at uh, Empty Arena Show on Twitter, hmm. Empty Arena Podcast on uh, the Instagrams. We don't have Snapchat. Uh, Gmail, check us out at emptyarenapodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a comment, question, or concern. I'm going to keep saying that because there's always a question or comment or concern about what we do. <laughs> um, please, guys, please rate us on iTunes, uh, share us, like us, and subscribe. Uh, yeah. The more likes we get, the higher we get up in ratings, and the more we, have a, uh, we make face to see if we can get big guests on here. Big guests. Because yes. our number one big guest is uh, John Behan. Hmm. It's Johnny, uh, King John Broadway. King John. That's right. But on that note, good night and uh, good fight, and we will see you all next week. Later. Bye-bye. Same night. This has been Awesome Studios production.